Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Well, good morning and welcome to Message Live. It's brilliant to have you with us. My name is Sam Ward. I'm bringing you this teaching on a very wet and rainy Tuesday morning. I'm so glad you could join us. Last time I spoke, I began to unpack those first three verses of uh, Luke's Gospel and chapter eight. And there I began to talk to you about Jesus's radical and revolutionary approach to women. And as we continue on through the, this book of Luke and through chapter 8, we continue to see that this, this amazing approach to Jesus carries on with us. See, on Jesus' walk from town to town were women joining him for the walk. There were no tagalongs, there were no waifs or strays with no place to be. These were women disciples with importance with significance, not simply there to serve the ministry of Jesus, but to be taught equally alongside men. And the narrative continues into chapter eight as we come to these two amazing parables. One is believed to be focused on men and the other believed to be focused on women. See, Luke is really keen for us to observe that Jesus wanted to make his teaching accessible to everybody, to all. So this is not just exclusive teaching for men in the synagogue. This is exclusive teaching of Jesus to men and women on the hills and fields and in the towns and houses of the local people. Now, scholars believe that Jesus had two forms of parables, one that was given for men specifically and one given for women too. And so you see that parables that involve outside, outdoors stuff is aimed at blokes and parables about inside is aimed at women. So the parable of the sower that we're going to look at today is primarily for men and the parable of the lamb that follows that is given for women. I love it that Jesus wanted all people to hear and to understand. This is not Jesus telling us that women's place is in the house. Let's just get that straight. This is Jesus saying that he wanted to give an opportunity for men and for women to hear the good news of the kingdom and to respond. And if there was any doubt in your mind that Jesus was trying to include women, then let's look at what Luke gives us when he tells us this weird little story. This He gives us a snapshot into what I think is possibly one of the most awkward stories in the Gospels. In verse 19, I imagine Jesus is teaching. He's surrounded by this massive crowd, both men and women piled in around him as he begins to share his parables. And then Jesus's mother and brothers show up. You know what? I really want to know what's going on here. I have to say, I'm a little bit disappointed with Luke, who doesn't give us the backstory. It's so unlike Luke, who likes to give us the detail. But I want to know what they're doing there. Like, why is Mary showing up? What does she want? Why has she travelled from Nazareth and is now trying to track the locations of Jesus to get some time with him? Why is there urgency? 
My mind loves to speculate. Maybe she's come to tell Jesus that Joseph has died, for example. You know, he's not there with them. It's just Mary and the brothers. Where's Joseph? Maybe there's a story to tell. Or maybe Mary has come to say, look, it's safe to return. The people of Nazareth no longer want to kill you. So why don't you come home? Maybe she's come to ask for his help. Maybe there's a sick relative and she needs some assistance. Maybe she wants to convince him to give up the ministry and come back to the family business or to introduce him even to some siblings that he hasn't met yet because he's been out on the road. Or maybe it's just Mother's Day. And Mary would just love some time with her boy and she feels like she deserves a little private session. Or maybe she's just baked biscuits and said, here they are, Jesus, these are for you. Carry on your brilliant work. Who knows what the story is? But it's awkward because Jesus is busy and then his mother and brothers show up. The size of the crowd is so big that she just can't get to be with him. Maybe she shouted a little bit and she's waving, cooey, Jesus, over here. But because there are so many people vying for the attention of Jesus that sh she goes unnoticed. Maybe Mary spots one of the disciples of Jesus and sends a message. Could you just let Jesus know that I'm standing at the back? Or maybe she tries to pass her message forward. Just, just let him know that we're waiting to see him. But someone is brave enough to interrupt Jesus as he's mid-flow and says, your mothers and brothers, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And then I imagine everybody stops. Like the silence in the room like, what is Jesus going to do with this situation? Is there going to be this great emotional reunion as he kind of embraces his mother and they all look on, oh, isn't he brilliant? Or maybe he's going to stand her up in front of the crowd and say, look, here is my family. Instead, Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach once again. My mothers and brothers are those who hear God's words and put them into practice. My family are those who hear the word of God and do what it says. My kingdom family are men and women who listen and apply what they hear. Who follow my words obediently. Now how heartbreaking is that for the mother and brothers of Jesus? But once again, Jesus wants to draw our attention that he's aiming his teaching at both men and women. Who would refer to a man as a mother? Who would refer to a woman as a brother? It would have been unheard of in Jewish times, in New Testament times. It would have made no sense. So Jesus is saying, my teaching is for both because I need both to hear and respond. Those who hear the words of God and put them into practice, those both male and female, those who hear the words of God and put them into practice are mine. And this is what the parables are all about. Jesus teaches. And when he says this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell amongst the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. 
It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you hear what the parable is all about? If you've got ears and you can hear what I'm saying, then listen up. It's time to hear. This parable is one of the most talked about parables. I'm almost certain you're not hearing it for the first time today. And therefore we've heard it and its meaning so many times that it's hard to even comprehend what those guys hearing it for the first time would have thought. It almost like me be, uh, it's all, almost like me saying this morning, there was, there's a story of the kingdom. There was a factory owner who went to his factory one day, made a bunch of things, most of them were broke, some were good, the end. You'd be like, what on earth is this guy going on about? And everybody's confused. Even the disciples who have tracked with Jesus don't get it. See, we've read the, the rest of the scripture. We know in hindsight what it means, but hearing this for the first time, you are completely bamboozled. There are those who are bewildered and those who are completely not bothered. But in the queue of those desperate to find out are the disciples, head of the queue. And Jesus looks at his guys and he says, you're in a privileged position. You don't realise how good you've got because you get to walk with me and hear me unpack the secrets of the kingdom each and every day. Think about all that he's been talking about. Think about the Sermon on the Mount, which was packed full of incredible teaching. Think about Luke's version, the Sermon on the Plain, on all those wonderful things that he said. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the persecuted. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. You know what? There are no guesswork required. There is no guesswork required when it comes to that level of teaching because this was teaching saved for the disciples that were journeying with Jesus every day. Now Jesus says, but to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand and this is beautiful because Jesus is again quoting from that great book that he loved called Isaiah and you know the bit that he's referring to here that beautiful bit in Isaiah chapter 6 when the voice of God is heard saying who shall I send and and Isaiah responds with those famous words here I am send me and then God gives him this commission to preach to a bunch of people who have eyes but can't see who have ears who cannot hear and Jesus is saying, my teaching has the same kind of effect. People have ears, but they can't hear what I'm saying. They have eyes, but they can't see what I'm doing. Jesus is saying, the parables are therefore to identify those people who have ears and can hear and have eyes and can see because they will look, they will seek, they will try and understand and they will follow. And they're likely to ask a bunch of questions that lead them to greater understanding when it comes to this, the kingdom of God. They will be my mother's, my mother and brothers. They will be those who listen and obey. And therefore, it is as if the parable of the sower is a parable about the parables. See, the seed is the word of God. 
scattered far and wide by a farmer, scattered on the land and into four different places that symbolizes the hearts of those who are listening. There are those who cannot hear. There are those who miss hear. And then there are those who hear the word and, it, and they retain it and they preserve it and it grows to produce a crop of great magnitude. Now, I love this parable. As an Eden guy, I found it so helpful. This story rings true in my neighborhood. We knew those hard-hearted people who'd been so trampled on by the, by the community, by the world, that whenever we spoke the gospel, we just knew it wasn't penetrating the surface. And there were those who beautifully responded to the gospel but then when life got hard, their faith died away and we were left absolutely gutted. And then there were those who again said yes to Jesus. And it looked like they were beginning to journey on in faith. And then they fell in love with something other than Jesus. Whether that be a boy or a girl or simply the pleasures of the world took a grip on them. And they slipped away again and we just were wounded but there were also those incredible people who heard the word of God and it began to bear fruit in their lives and it caused our hearts to be overwhelmed with worship. And maybe it's true for every neighborhood. Maybe this isn't Eden related. Maybe it's the same right across the world and this is a generic thing. But you know what? The more I read this passage in the context of the upside down kingdom, the more I'm convinced that those who hear, sorry, those who can't hear and those who miss hear are actually the self-righteous, the self-justified and the self-seeking. I know it sounds hard, but this isn't a parable about how hard it is for, for people from disadvantaged communities to follow Jesus. Remember what Jesus has been saying. Jesus is anointed to preach good news to the poor. He wants the poor to hear and he's been given the spirit to enable him to do so. The poor are considered the blessed. Jesus has been anointed to bring sight to the blind. They are the blessed and therefore it would be completely inconsistent for Jesus now to be describing the blind as actually blind or the deaf to be deaf to the words of God. But it's the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious elite and the, the rich young ruler types, they are the hard soil. They are the fixed and the fittest and the finest and they have no need of God, so they think. They've heard so much teaching. They live by a certain law of life that has made them so hard to, to the teachings of Jesus, the good news of the kingdom. And there are those who like the sound of the gospel, but when it starts to cost them something, they just cast it aside. They are those who hear the gospel and they like the idea of it as long as it feels good, as long as it costs them nothing. And when we therefore get to the, the moment of suffering and hardship and difficulty, they drop the gospel like it's old news. 
In this view of the parable, it's the broken and the poor, the sick and the afflicted who are the fertile soil. They receive the word and they cling to it. They are the hopeful soil in which the word takes root, the afflicted, the suffering and broken, the afflicted and the suffering and the broken. This is the upside down kingdom and they are the ideal soil in which the word of God comes and brings life. This is the minority gospel, upside down in nature, where only one seed in four makes it to good soil. Now you could say, how unbelievably inefficient is this form of farming, unfocused and undisciplined, that you would scatter your seeds and waste three quarters of that stuff, that seed on hostile ground. But you know what? I absolutely love Jesus. He scatters his seeds wildly across the field. He doesn't care where it goes. He sends his words out to male and female, rich and poor, to all that they, with the hope that they may hear, that they may be fertile ground. And you know what? Some of it lands in great soil. Some of it lands in soil and begins to reap a harvest 100 fold. Now, if my accountancy skills are still intact a little bit, then I'd love to like work out what the return on investment is. And it looks like this, 2,400% return on investment. When you plant one seed that creates a hundredfold, you don't worry about the waste because those one seeds are worth it all. Any business person would take you up on that return on investment. It's quite incredible. And that is why people like Andy Hawthorne say this line so regularly, it was worth it for the one. It was worth it for the one. So often Andy will say to us, if all we had to show for 30 years in ministry was someone like Cyril Wilding, it would all be worth it. We are blessed to know so many people who are good soil here at the message, who are like the lamp from that second parable. When lit is placed upon a stand, why on earth would you try and cover it at any point? Those people who receive the word like the good soil are like the, the lamp that is placed upon a stand. It begins to shine bright and many people will see its glory. Cyril from our building team, it's just one of the incredible ones. A background of brokenness, of hardship and pain, yet the word of Christ, the word of life took root in his good soil and now bears much fruit. I love this because yesterday Cyril came into my office and said those words like he was Andy Hawthorne himself. It was worth it for the one. See, both Cyril and I had spent the weekend in Scotland, not together. I was having a quick uh, city break. Cyril was working to help other people because he's significantly better than me. But we were talking about our Scotland experiences. And then Cyril began to tell me about a mission trip he had in Glasgow three years ago. And he said, you know what? It was worth it for the one. And he told me this story about a guy called Stanley. 
So in the morning, Cyril is praying with a group of people and they begin to pray for people that they might meet during the day. And they ask the Lord to lay on their hearts some names of people to look out for. Cyril gets the name Stanley. And so Cyril begins to pray for Stanley, that he might meet Stan, Stanley, this whoever he might be, at some point during the day. They find themselves in the church later that day and up rocks this really hostile bloke. He's angry. He's looking to hurt someone. Cyril clocks him, takes him to one side, asks his name, begins to unpack his story. And in the process, is able to share with him the good news of Jesus Christ. The guy commits his life to the Lord. Amazing. The guy is called Stanley. Now, I've met Stanley. Stanley is legit. And three years down the line, this guy is clean from the heroin addiction that was robbing his life. This guy is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. This guy is enrolled in Bible college and is looking to be a minister in the church. It's a beautiful moment. See, Cyril, Cyril is the good soil in which the word of God has taken root. And Cyril has borne much fruit and has multiplied. And has therefore his seed has begun to see multiplication in the lives of other people. It's beautiful. The kingdom of God is quite incredible. A hundredfold harvest, the return on investment that is only possible in the upside down kingdom. So pray with me this morning. Lord, make us good soil. Lord, let us not be like the Pharisees and the religious elite. Let us not be like the rich young ruler who couldn't take the good news of the gospel because it would cost them too much. Lord, make us fertile soil. When we hear the good news, it takes root in our lives. We cherish it, we protect it. And it grows to produce great crop in our lives. Lord, we pray for those that we are ministering to. Lord, we ask that you would break up the hard ground. We pray you would remove the rocks and the, and the thorns and the thistles that so easily uh, attack and distract those who are hearing the good news of Jesus. Lord, we lift up those that we are trying to minister to in your name. And Lord, we think about those who are going out today with the good news of Jesus. We pray, God, that they would encounter some people that would see this great multiplication take place. That we would see this hundredfold return in the lives of those who hear the good news. Lord, we lift up today our Eden teams around the nation. God, would you pour out your spirit upon them as they share good news to the poorest. Lord, we lift up the advanced network existing around the world, those sharing good news in Jesus' name. Would your anointing be upon them, Lord God? Would they see, see fruit and fruit that lasts? Father, we thank you for the anointing upon those who go in your name, who take on your ministry to bring good news. And we ask, Father, more Jesus, that your name may be glorified, that your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Please do check out some of the other content that we've got on uh, our Message Trust YouTube channel. There's some fantastic resources there, whether you're a child, a young adult, in, interested in incarnational mission or evangelism, there's some brilliant teaching on there. Make sure you click and subscribe. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Thanks for listening. 
Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a brand new episode there right now.